Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Drivers! Start your engines! When I'm driving, I got a guy on the radio who talks to me. It's him. He talks to me. Hey, race fans, welcome to the Hoobazoo Radio Network and welcome to Drafting the Circuits. My name is Frank Santoroski. I'll be your host for the next hour as we talk about racing. Joining me in the studio, Richard Uden and Louise Torres. Guys, how are we doing? We're good. We're good, thanks. Pretty good. I don't, that's pretty much all I got to say is pretty good. Even that is an understatement. That's an understatement. Yeah, Louise is uh, just returned from the Indianapolis Motor Speedway where he spent the last couple of weeks. So good to have you back, Louise. Good to have you on the show. I do want to apologize to our listeners um, that we didn't produce a show last week. We did have some unforeseen circumstances uh, that prevented us from taping a show last week. And I apologize to anybody that tried to tune in and find it. But we are back and we've, we've got a lot to talk about, starting with that Indy 500 that, uh, that you were at, Louise. And um, a lot of great stories coming out of the city 500. Number one, uh, you know, we have a four-time winner and that's, you know, 30 years from the last time we saw a four-time winner. We have a winner who's incredibly popular. Uh, I mean, the, um, this is an incredibly popular win. We saw a fantastic race, um, you know, where the, the couple, the couple of arrow tweaks that they did made it, uh, you know, a lot less single file. Yeah. There was some single file running, but there was a lot more, passing in there than we saw last year, the first year with the screens. We also had the fewest cautions ever, the most cars running at the finish ever at the 500, the most cars on the lead lap ever at the 500. And then we had the fastest 500 in history at over 190 miles an hour uh, race average, which is, you know, not the fastest 500 mile ever, but the fastest Indy 500. So uh, just an awful lot to unpack here, but um you know, before I let you guys jump in, I want to talk a little bit about this young fella uh, who at 46 years old won his fourth Indy 500, uh, Elio Castro Nevis. And I think, you know, you know, the knock on Elio is that he's never won a championship. So and and, and I mean, I, I think at this point in, in his career, you know, that's not going to happen. And I don't, I don't think it's going to hamper his legend. But uh, certainly uh, this particular race did a lot to really cement his legacy, number one, enjoying the four-timers club. Um, and this win did not fall into his lap. Uh, there was no controversy surrounding the win. Um, you know, he, he didn't have a dominant car in qualifying. He had a very good car in qualifying. Uh, he didn't dominate the race, but he, he, he won this thing. And if you watch those last 20 or so laps, 
and and just really pay attention to what Elio is doing, you're, you're seeing a guy who's a master of his craft. If you watch that, what you know was he's kind of playing a little cat and mouse with um, young Alex Pillow, who's up there leading the race, feeling that he has the fastest car, feeling that he's got a very good shot to win this thing. Uh, and Elio is you know, they they dice a little bit, you know, pass, you know, make a pass, pass back, swap the lead back and forth. But if you really watch what Elio's doing, is he's not so much playing cat and mouse with um, young Alex Pillow. What he's doing is he's forcing Alex Pillow to show him every defensive move he has in his arsenal. He's he's Elio is studying the guy so he knows exactly when to make his move. And that's the difference between uh, a guy in his second or third year and a guy who's been doing this for 20 years. And and it's it's easy to see when you watch him, you know, why this guy's won the thing four times, why he's finished second a number of times, you know, why he's finished in the top 10 in Indianapolis, I believe nine times, truly, truly a masterful performance. I was very impressed with Elio. And then the best part was the victory celebration because nobody, nobody is more emotional and animated than Elio Castro Nevis and the fans uh, just eat that up. And, and Elio loves Indianapolis. And, and somebody made a quote and, and I can't remember exactly who it was, uh, but they said, you know, Elio loves Indianapolis. And the more you love this place, the more it loves you back. And my God, that's absolutely true. When you consider um, Elio Castro Nevis and what we saw this past weekend. So I don't want to dominate the show and I don't want to make the Elio Castro Nevis mm-hmm. appreciation society, but, but he deserves every bit of appreciation uh, after that drive. So uh, Louise, you were there. What are your thoughts on this race? I, I thought it was one for the ages, but I'm sure there's a few, fans out there who will find something to bitch about because that's that's what IndyCar fans do. Well, yeah, speaking of, talk about letting Polo try to play defense. I saw one literally complaining about how Polo was quote-unquote dangerously cutting Elio's toe, or in, as some folks in the NASCAR line would refer to as a draft in IndyCar, they call it a toe, where he was going all the way down to the area where Pit Road is, but as you saw, Castor Nevis let it play out. And he got by him. Polo did the same thing. It was a nice trading back and forth. And it was at one point when Polo was in the lead. We thought game over. I was thinking to myself, yep, I think Polo's got this one. But Castro Nevis, even maybe some lap traffic wasn't going to be denied that day. I think he's learned a lot. And he even said in the media center that what happened in 2017 or even a, a couple of years before that was in the back of his mind that he was not going to let this one slip away from him again. Because it's Castro Evans could might as well have more than four or five hundreds by now had 36 went in his favor. And I say for this yeah, one, he won, made yeah, he lost two of them by less than a second in yeah. 20, 2014 and 2017. Yeah. I think this one, he was just not going to be denied at all. He, he showed real quick speed when he put it in the fast nine. I was genuinely surprised in a way I sh- maybe I should have been, but people were talking about Meyer Shank, like, we talked about all season, even in the offseason, that my, that Elio going to Meyer Shank will be good for them because more resource, more data for Jack Harvey. Harvey had a pretty noble race, not not great per se, but Elio was just right out of the gate. You knew he wanted this badly. He was it wasn't gonna it was all about Scott Dixon, Colton Herda, the whole week, Andretti Autosport, maybe up and down, Team Penske struggling in qualifying, Chip Ganassi owning the fast nine. But Elio Castroneves quietly was in the in the dark horse end. 
He wasn't the quote-unquote favorite. He was just in the mix the entire time, and boy, he really showed it. And when the restart happened, because it looked like Polo, he was probably going to do something that Fernando Alonso couldn't do for Spain is win the 500. But similar to 30 years ago, the guy you thought they had in the they had a one was out beaten by the guy that ultimately went out to win four Indy 500s. 91, it was Mears beating Michael Andretti. Yep. In a similar way, Elio Castrabis beat Alex Polo. Of course, Polo is in his sophomore IndyCar season. But at 91, Michael was already slowly established to become a champion and an icon in the making. Yeah, Michael, in fact, won the championship that year. Uh, but yeah, but uh, it, again, it was it was uh, you know a, a case of the master, you know, sizing up the students and taking advantage there, which is exactly what Mears did with uh, Michael Andretti. You know, although not quite as close to the end of the race as this one, but yeah, it was it, that one was a fun one to watch, as was the one this past weekend. Mm-hmm. And the thing about it with that race is that you think Dixon was not uh, after he held up the whole field. I thought they were going to wad it up the whole thing because one, some of the talks that I had with a couple of the media colleagues, we were curious where, who's going to be the first one out. Some people would think of by Renus VK because him in the front row, raw, wild, and unpredictable. That wasn't the case. In fact, VK showed up to play and held his own real well. Connor Daly. Connor Daly ended up leading the most laps of that thing, leading 100 of the 500 miles, 40 out of 200 laps-wise. He had he really held his own quite well. It had it not been for a couple circumstances, including when he hit that tire from Graham Ray Hall, where it damaged the front the front nose. They didn't it took it off. They kept it. Maybe I, he I didn't I didn't quite understand that move because we've seen them change the nose on an Indy car rather quickly before. And Richard, maybe you know a little more on this, but but the the thing that I read or the quote that I read, and I believe it was coming from Daly or one of his team members was that the they had damaged the adjuster which would have yeah. taken a whole lot longer to change the wing and and the risk versus reward with the track position lost um would have yeah. just taken taken too long so so Richard what's tell us exactly about this this adjuster on the wing and how how that affects the ability to change the wing quickly um yeah so so you'll see in um both IndyCar and Formula One during a pit stop, you'll see somebody going there and um, adjust the wing angle at the front. And that's to adjust the downforce levels of the front wing and adjust the balances, balance of the car, um, you know, to determine understeer, oversteer, tight, loose, whatever you, however you want to phrase it. But, um, you know, the more, the more front wing you give it, the more grip you get at the front and the more the tail, the tail one of the slides that gives you oversteer. If you reduce the angle at the front, you, you um, you know the front wants to push because uh, it's got less grip, so you get um, sorry understeer there. You get oversteer when the back wants to turn in. Um, and, and and I think what you have to realise with this impact, this wasn't like you know an end plate of a wing coming off because a couple of cars had touched going through a slow chicane or something. This was a a massive tire impact, uh, hundred fifty, well, probably nearly going into two hundred miles an hour onto the nose of that car you didn't really know what damage had been done in there. So if, if you'd sort of jacked the car up and tried to take the nose off, you may not have got it back on. Um, so, yeah, it wasn't an ideal situation, and it certainly hampered their uh, cause going forward. But uh, 
it, it you know it is it is what it is, and they probably made the right call there, not trying to uh, not, not not trying to replace that nose no section there. Yeah, because re- realistically, the the mounting points for the the nose cone could have been damaged as well. They may not have exactly. Been, yeah, they could have took it off. And yeah, if you take now it we off, got now we got no nose on the car. Yeah. Exactly. So, yeah. So I, I got you. You know, it wasn't ideal, but hey, you know, it gets you to the finish, doesn't it? It did. It did. Yeah. And good day for Connor. I mean, again, the yeah. very very popular guy in Indianapolis. He's from nearby Noblesville. The crowd was very, very loud when he took the lead, uh, cheering him on. Great day he for beat. him. I mean, yeah, Connor is a guy that he's a fan favorite. People talk about him a lot. He really doesn't have the results to 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 back it up over the over the years, but it was a fine, fine drive from him. And, and I do believe that between him and VK, they're, they they really control the early portions of the race. But I believe their problem was more the fact that the Chevrolets were burning more fuel than the Hondas, and they were they were just losing ground on the long long runs that we had in that race. There again, there are only two points of caution during that race, which yeah. was weird because there's been the opposite at the the previous races, like with the GMR Grand Prix. It was the Chevys that had a little bit more of a better gas mileage with VK when he won over Grosjean and the Dale Coin Rick Ware Honda. Yeah, I, I guess when they when they they trim it out for for Speedway, I guess they're they're burning more horsepower. I don't know, we're burning more fuel. But yeah. Uh, yeah, either, either yeah, way, yeah. either way, it was a really good day for the Carpenter guys. They didn't have the yeah. result, result at the end of the day they like to see, but they certainly showed well. You know, they got their got their sponsor's name on TV. You know, their, their guys got to lead mm-hmm. uh, for a while, control the old early portion of the race. And another guy that we talked about somewhat was young Alex Pelot, who now takes the point lead after Dixon's problems, which we'll get into in a moment. Uh, but, you know, just another fine drive from this uh, young Spaniard. Uh, this kid continues to impress and he's, you know, he's got to be, you know, one of the favorites for the champion now. You know, along with, you know, Dixon is, I think Dixon dropped to second or third. Uh, but right now, I believe like the top five guys are all separated by less than one win yeah. on the points table. Yeah. So Dixon is currently second. I think at one point before he got his lap back, he was fifth. He in was the fifth. Yeah. The, yeah, he was. Yeah. The points as they run. Yeah. So, but, but let's, so let's talk about Dixon. So it was an interesting situation. And, and I think some folks don't fully understand the, emergency pit stop rule um which is kind of it's a little convoluted but i'll I'll, I'll attempt my best to explain it but uh so what had happened was once the green flag pit stops uh began to commence um several guys went in to get the pits dixon getting good mileage has stayed out as did alexander rossi had not made his pit stop yet uh justin no i'm sorry uh stefan wilson came in to make his pit stop found that his brake pedal went straight to the floor, ended up spinning the car and pretty much blocking the entrance to pit lane, which uh, brought out a caution, uh, which stranded both Dixon and Rossi out on the track, desperately needing fuel. So they had to invoke the, the pits are closed, but you can, if you have a flat tire or some sort of damage to the car that can be repaired quickly or are running out of fuel, you can pull in to the pits. You're only allowed to hook up fuel for, I think it's two seconds. Two or seconds. Or two, yeah, two yeah. seconds, yeah. Just enough to get you back out there until the pits are open. So it essentially forces you into a second stop. Uh, so you've got to make two stops there if you 
if you do the emergency stop. Now, what had happened for both Dixon and Rossi was they both ran the car entirely out of fuel, which caused a, a vapor lock, which makes the, the car quite difficult to restart. It doesn't start right back up. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. You know, it's like, you know, think, you know, think about taking your lawnmower and trying to spray some starting fluid in it after it's been sitting in your garage. All it's, it's about like that doesn't quite want to start. So that put both those guys a lap down. And, and to his credit, Dixon was able to make the lap up, but Rossi was nowhere the rest of the day. And, and Rossi finds him 15th in points uh, behind Castro Nevis, who's only <laughs> ran the one race. And, and, you know, Rossi's, yeah, Rossi's luck just goes from bad to worse. But Dixon, as always, made the best of it. And he, he came close to having a shot again back up front had there been like a late yellow what, what he was trying to attempt on fuel strategy. Yeah. But the, the fact the long, the long green flag runs didn't play out his way. And another thing that people don't mention is Takuma Sato came dangerously close to winning this as well. Yeah, he was, or Felix Rosenquist. Is it Rosenquist, him? yeah. If, if there was a late caution, those guys were still out front. If they'd have had yeah. a caution that had taken to the end of the race to clean up, game over. So, From your vantage point, Frey, when they showed on, on the video scope or the television, did they show Rosenquist and those guys out front like a double screen or just statically, statically focused on Elio and Pelo the entire time? Focus, was- focused on Elio, Pelo, and Award. And Simon Pagino, who was bringing up the rear and catching them quickly. Matter of fact, you know, passion did manage to get around award and finish third, a few more, a few more laps and, and passion would have been in the mix for the win, but no, they didn't even put a camera on Felix or Sato. So pretty much they've been biffled for those who don't know what I mean by biffle. <laughs> the 2016 Talladega race biffle had like a half a lap of a lead, but they didn't show him much until finally NBC decided to show biffle on one screen in the pack on the other one. Everybody's thinking, oh, Biffle's not going to make it. Biffle's not going to win. They're going to catch us. Like, if the caution didn't come out when it did, Biffle would probably have been okay. He probably would have won that race at 16 in my book. We'll never know. But I was curious because I think from from the little screens at the track that they've added over the years, they it's pretty much the same thing. They just show the pack much more than Rosequist and Sato and Dixon. Exactly. Now, Richard, you've been quiet over there. <laughs> I try my best. Which is which is my favorite thing to say. So you, I know you obviously watch this race. You've got some impressions of it. So what what are some of your takeaways from this 500 race? Yeah, I thought it was a 
I thought it was an entertaining race in many ways. You know, I know some people will, will sort of say it's a boring race. Well, the only reason I thought it was boring is only one real accident. And unfortunately, that's what people do watch these things for. Um, but no, I, I thought it was a good race. I, I did feel, you know, really sorry for, for uh, Rossi and Dixon there. Um, you know, th- they were being smart. You know, they were doing the fuel-saving strategy, which would, you know, in the, in the long run, uh, be beneficial. And then they got caught out by it. So I, I really did feel... Um, you know, sorry for those guys there, but uh, you know, excuse me, Cash and Evers winning, fantastic. You know, uh, I think it it really showed. Um, you know, th- th- there's an art to this racing, um, and you know, there was me last or a couple of weeks ago when we were on the show, maybe criticizing some of the older guys in in, in the sport. But uh, you know, Indianapolis is one of those unique places in a way. I think. I think if you're going to win it, you're either going to win it in your first couple of years or after about 10 goes. I think there's that lull in the middle from most of the guys where where they get bitten by it and they become wary of it. And if you've you know you've only been doing it a couple of years, you've got that sort of ignorance, if you like. And then if you've been doing it more than 10 years, you've got the experience. So, But uh, yeah, I thought, he, I thought it, was a, it was a really good event. I mean, I know we've discussed this in previous years and I'm going to get you know on my, on my high horse here again about this on my soapbox. You know, I, I really do wonder and question the whole makeup of of um, the five hundred and the way it's it's obviously the pinnacle of the series uh, for sure. But it, to my mind, it detracts from the other events and the other races. I think if you're you know looking at purely um, a championship. Um, standpoint, you know, I, I think it puts a, a skew, if you like, on 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 the series. And I, I don't think any point, any race should ever be double points. I, I think that's a terrible idea uh, because at the end of the day, a race is a race. And I know IndyCar is structured slightly different because it does put all of its eggs in one basket with the five hundred. Um, but at the end of the day, yeah, your Cash Nevis has won four Indy five hundreds. That was fantastic achievement, but. You know, where you know, in in a couple of years' time, when he when he does pack it in all together, you know, he still doesn't have a championship. Um, you know, that I I think takes him out of the equation that a lot of people are putting him in. Yeah, he's he's won one race four times, and it's a very special race, but it's just one race still. He does have an Insta championship, but of course, I know what you get. Oh, for sure. Doesn't have the IndyCar championship compared to. The other four-time yeah. winners. Well, and, and 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 would if but if you're a, you know, if you're a multi, what would what would he swap? You know, four championships and no five hundreds, or four five hundreds and no championship. I think I know the answer to that. Yeah, from I, a driver's I, standpoint. Yeah, I, I, think, I, know the, I think the four five hundreds. I think any driver with a championship that doesn't have a five hundred win would gladly swap a championship four or 500 win. And if you just didn't need to look at some of the guys that have won the 500 and what it's done for them career wise, would anybody give a rat's ass who Eddie Cheever was this day and age? Oh, if sure. he didn't, if he didn't win the 500 and the other one, honestly, I, who has, who has anyways, because 98 race, nobody talks about really at all. Okay. So let me, let me bring up this guy here. Okay. <laughs> uh, here's a guy that is, considered an indie legend he's in two different halls of fame okay and he but he has seven career wins two of them happen to happen at indianapolis and 
and he's never finished any higher than six in the championship, but he, he has instant name recognition. And this guy I'm talking about is Ari Leyendike. He's considered, yeah. he's considered one of the legends of the speedway and he's never even come close to a championship, but those, those two indie wins and you know, the record speed and the couple of poles mm-hmm. he's got there puts him in rare company. But you was know, he more so of an oval it, specialist, you know. though, Lion Dyke? He was more of an oval specialist at one point, no? Uh, I think all his wins came on ovals. Yes, but do, would you put, you know, do, do you put Takuma Sato in the in the you know the Hall of Fame? I mean, don't don't get me wrong. I, you know, it's just like I've I've worked with Takuma. He's a great great guy. Yeah, Takuma Sato's his not, his his stats are almost the same as Lion Dyke's seven career yeah, wins. He's, he's I honestly forgot two or three less. Yeah, he's won plenty of polls as well. A large majority were with Foyt, which people, which I've totally forgot he won polls, let alone most of them coming from the Foyt days. But you look at, but you know, I know we've discussed this previous years when I've been on this, and it, it, it really is something that sort of gets me, gets gets me going a little bit, and it maybe it shouldn't do. But you take the other sports that have you know marquee events, for example, Super Bowl. Or the playoffs, or anything. They're always. I mean, I can't think of any other sport. The climax of the season, the crowning. Whoever wins that event wins the championship. That is their pinnacle of the sport. Um, you know, IndyCar is completely different. It, 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 it's creating this. And I don't know if it's negative to the sport in the long run. Obviously, it's great because it does attract a lot of publicity for for these two or three weeks, where it's rather months of May, as they call it, where it's running. But I just. I just really do think it takes away from the rest of the season. You know, your average guy on the street, not average, but somebody who's a motorsport fan who watch, you know, who probably doesn't watch every IndyCar could tell you who wins the Indy 500, but couldn't probably couldn't tell you who won the championship. And, and I, I just think that's wrong. I, I, I think that, there is more to it than that. I think you dilute and almost discredit the rest of the championship. And I don't think that's right. No, that's, that's always been the problem with, uh, you know, with Indy, you know, it's, but it's, it's, but it's, you know, it's older than the series. It's older than any series that sanctioned it. You know, it's been around that long. It has that event status. And, and, you know, even if you look at the TV ratings, they said this, the Indy 500 pulled, 5.5 5.5 million viewers. Yeah. But when, when your average IndyCar race is, you know, less than one a point something, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. They're less than a million sometimes, you know, if it's on NBC, yeah. they might get a 1.1 million if they're on, uh, on the network. So it's, but, it, why it is, don't, but I don't but know, that, that, but, I don't know what the answer to that is, you know? Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's looking, if you look at it in the bigger picture, the, the racing arguably, at some of the other IndyCar events is better than it, the 500. You know, why does it get drawn? You know, maybe at the end of the day, the Indy 500 is going to draw its crowd, whether, you know, whether NBC or IndyCar as a racing series don't do anything to promote it. It's going to draw crowds because it's just there. Maybe they need to put that effort into other events and build that up and not just, you know, sort of put, as I said, you asked it earlier, put all your eggs in one basket. I, and and this isn't you know this is because I love IndyCar I think I love watching it I think it's a fantastic series and I think it has so much potential but I honestly genuinely believe that the actual 500 is detrimental to the success of the sport 
because it, it takes attention away from the other 20 races or whatever it may be a season. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I just, and the fact that, you know, the race, it's not a race weekend, it's a race month, you know. It, 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 you look at every successful sport out there that is marketable. And one of the things they have is consistency. You know, the NFL schedule is pretty set. NBA, NHL, you know, look at the Formula One calendar. It's the same every week. You know, NASCAR, to a certain extent, is the same every week. Again, they have the Daytona 500 thing, which is probably on a similar line. But it's, you know, people like uniformity and regularity. They don't get this whole, you know, why is this one so different? And then they get turned off by the other stuff. All right, you're off yeah. the soapbox now. No, nope, <laughs> I'm still here. Okay, that's good to see. Yeah, but I mean, those are all good points. But I, I, again, I don't know what the fix is to that because you don't want to. It's you don't want to diminish the the 500. And when you start, there's so many old timers that 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 will tell you, oh, that people can't stand that we're down to one week in the qualifying instead of two. You know, they don't like the fact that the bump day is on Sunday, not Saturday. You know, and any any little thing, people tradition, 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 or the Grand Prix just existing. Oh yeah, yeah. People hate the fact that the Grand Prix exists, even though I always find it to be quite entertaining and a lot of. It's fun. gotten better over. It's gotten better over time, it's just circumstantial and all of that stuff. But it plays itself out. It's just at the start, it was like it needed to build some sort of identity. Exactly, exactly. But uh, yeah, I mean, there there needs to be more focus on the other races. And, and you know, that all comes down to, you know, IndyCar has been through how many sanctioning bodies over, over, oh, the, sure. over you know, over the over the hundred some years. None of them have really been successful at it. I mean, USAC in the 70s before the uh, cart split uh, did a pretty good job. You know, um, they, they filled up places like Ontario with as many fans as they filled up Indy with. Cart in the 90s did a, did a nice job of, of getting people into racetracks and then the split. Kind of ruined everything, and then even the Indy 500 was, you know, nothing to speak of for a couple of years until yeah. the uh, bigger team started coming back. So I that don't got know. Sour in '97 with USAC officiating that no one remembers '98. '99 is just Robbie Gordon running out of fuel that people bring up. So you got a good point. Between '97 through '99, it's just all controversial in one moment that people remember that period. Right, right. And then then in 2000, you know, the Ganassi came back 2002. You had you had the flood of cart guys coming back with Penske and Green and Newman Haas all entering cars. Um, you know, when when cart finally said, OK, we'll we'll leave the weekend open for you. Everyone realized that they needed Indy to survive because of that exposure. It's the same thing. Like if, if you look at how many people watch the Super Bowl versus how many people watch a football game on a regular basis. You know, everybody watches the Super Bowl, but you may not watch a football game all year long, but the Super Bowl has, draw, has, has that event, event status. Yeah. And it's yeah, with say but, like the Kentucky Derby. You may not watch a horse race all year long, but the Kentucky Derby draws tons of viewers. Why? Yeah, all standard, a, 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 event status. Yeah. Yeah. But that's a standalone event. As far as I'm aware, a horse racing guy, there's not like a league, is there? There's not like you don't they, get points. Horses get points throughout the year, and then no. you know, at the end of the year, you have a championship. They have you qualification know, events that are yeah, on televised or on horse channels. Yeah, 
But it, you know, but the Super Bowl is a standalone event. You know, winner takes all scenario, as with the playoffs to a certain extent for most other sports, although you've got five or six games and the World Series and the like. You know, they all have, you know, a, a goal in a way, and the goal is to crown the champion for this year, which to my mind is more important than the champion of a specific race. And I, I just think it, you know, it, it just, I don't know. It, it, yeah. Mm, yeah. Yeah. That's yeah. Uh, you Europeans don't get it. Yeah. And the thing about the, <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about the Super Bowl and the NFL race, the NFL draws still real strong numbers where like, you think it hits double digits or on the high nines and all of that. Whereas the, the thing with the IndyCar is you get only a third of the amount. In fairness, the Super Bowl gets like triple, quadruple the amount, but still there's consistency with the NFL ratings. While the quote unquote down is still real strong compared to all the other dis- disciplines in stick and ball sports. True, but but again, you know, you know the event status. Yes, get, get the event status gives us that where people will tune in. It's it's an excuse to have a party too. The Super Bowl, you have a Super Bowl party place. You have an Indy 500 party. You have a Daytona 500 party. You have a Derby party. You know, it's just what people like to do. It's one of those things that people like to gather and share. And, and to your point, Richard, yeah, there are tons and tons of people that who could tell you who won every Indy 500. No idea who win the rest of the races. You know what I mean? Yeah. And and it's it's just a thing. So, and it's probably not going to change, but hopefully, you know, Roger Penske and his, his resources will do uh, what they can to build the series. Uh, they're working yeah. with and working with NBC to extend the TV contract, um, which I think they do a pretty good job. Don't they? They do a pretty good job. Yeah. I mean, it's still it, it's very uh, heavy on commercials, but I mean, anything yeah. on TV is going to be that way, but it just sure seemed it like is. there's, it seemed like they would cut to commercial whenever cars were making pit stops, which, for me, for me as a race fan, I think that's pretty important part of the race to see how the pit stops go. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, races, races are really- races are won and lost in the pits, even with the split screen. You know, if I, I can't hear what's going on, instead I'm I'm you know listening to yeah. what, what Uber Eats has to offer. <laughs> yeah, or, yeah, or 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 looking at the emu from the Liberty Mutual. So I think apparently. That's the reason why some people didn't know what happened to Connor at the end or Pato and vice versa, from what I've heard. It was because the TV didn't explain it or show it. No, they really didn't. No, they, they kept focused on the battle between Palo and Castroneves, which, to, you know, to to their credit, was the most compelling battle on the track with the most at stake. So, but yeah. but anyway, so we got a week off and then we're off in Detroit for the double. One more thing. Yeah, no, no, please. Yeah, one more thing. Pit stops was probably the woeful, mo- the big, the trouble spot. With we talk about Stephen Wilson, Simona had his her problems at the Will very end. Power had the same problem. Scott yes. McLaughlin. Scott McLaughlin. I think the big key reason why he ended up where he ended up is because of that pit penalty. Exactly. Yeah. So pit road entrance is very, very scarce, and I think that's one thing to keep an eye on for the 106 running next at the Indy 500 next year. It's pit road. Because the conditions and all that is one thing, but entering, good grief, there were plenty. Even at Carp that you saw with Marco Andretti's tires looking pretty rough. And speaking of tires, they also had a few moments at qualifying with Jack Harvey and even Elio. 
more on her because how bad that tire looked and still was able to put a decent qualifier on. Not great, but decent enough. Yeah, for the life of me, I don't understand why the, they don't enter pit road in turn three. Yeah. Because during practice, they enter pit road from turn three. Yeah, but but on race well, day, I think race the only day problem they... there is, I think the problem you'd have there is if they're if somebody's aggressive, trying to enter in pit road and then loses it in what is turn four, but pit road turn four, they'd slide up the track into you know cars that they're going flat out unless they put a wall there or something. But then that opens another huge area for you know issues. Yeah, but we did see the interesting thing was all people that had the problems at pit lane all had the same issue with the brakes brakes going going right to the floor so what's uh yeah. what, what you, also what, had that but it's interesting you know nicely. yeah what, to, what, what what do you think would cause something like that is that just some, something inherent that, that that's gone wrong uh well, a, what, a design what flaw is they they boil um the, the the brake fluid in the brake lines boil and then the air expands so you you get basically a soft brake now, what you see a lot of guys do, especially in NASCAR, is, you know, something similar like Daytona, where you're not using brakes. You don't use, you know, if you look at brake discs on a Talladega or a Daytona car, they're like paper thin because you only use them two or three times, or maybe 10 times during a race, pretty much, you know, coming down pit road and trying to avoid people wrecking in front of you. But um, they'll actually, when they know they're coming into the pit, they'll actually, if you're in the toe of somebody, you know, they'll actually pump the brake a little bit just to sort of, you know, uh, prime the, the brake system because, you know, it, it could be a problem there. So it'd be interesting to know if any of the guys, you know, did that. Um, because, again, I know they don't use the brakes, you know, during the course of the normal lap, though, it's just pretty much lifting, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, that, that, that's, that's my guess is that basically there was getting uh, air in the fluid there and uh, yeah, the, as soon as that happened, the pedal just goes to the floor. And either that, or you got you know brake bias issues as well. Uh, you know, too too much braking on the uh, at the front, and the rear just doesn't want to stop. And it sort of typically what happens there is the the, the rear overtakes the front, and uh, we saw that on a couple of occasions there. Yeah, I mean, it's. I just thought it was kind of interesting that it happened to several different cars. You know, when this is something I've not seen a lot in the past, you know, maybe uh, and aside from uh, well, well, here and there, but, yeah. Chevys. I, I don't uh, think that it would be manufacturer specific. I mean, it could yeah, be. You, would, you, you wouldn't think, yeah. Typically no, what will happen is the teams. Now, I don't know how it works in the case if it's a spec break or if the teams are, are available to go to, you know, Brembo and some of the other brake manufacturers out there and get their own brake package. But, you know, it could be that they say, oh, we want, you know, we want to push it, push it, push it, and yeah, pushed it too far. That, yeah, that, that certainly could be it. Yeah. Well. So, but the interesting thing while we're talking about this, right? The the couple of miscues on pit road. Uh, you know, if, if you if if you watch this race, the the interesting thing for me that there was literally zero driver error on the track. All of the yeah. all of, all of the issues happened on. Either either entering the pits or in Graham Rahal's case, exiting the pits where they didn't get the tire on there securely. Um, but but I mean, just a fine race from the whole field. You know, we didn't oh, yeah. see we didn't see anybody get up in the marbles, marbles and crack it in the turn or get get too low and 
and spin in front of everybody. You know, the, the closest we had to anything was that bunched up start, which, you know, you know, Scott Dixon, you know, using the old short track trick there, you know, <laughs> you know, make everybody check up and then uh, speed away from an almost almost looked like a mess. But yeah, but I mean, fine driving all around from the entire field for to see Indeed. nobody really have a have a serious error. Yeah, it's like it worked. You it worked itself out. It's if, yeah, you saw some strat again. You saw some strategy, but that was more or less those trying to make something work, but didn't. But those who, as you look at the top ten, Ed Carpenter recovered nicely. Sage Karam had a superb run from the last row in thirty first. Montoya continues his stride at Indy. Not his strongest month at all, but he still found a way to put it in the top ten. Pagano is another one that suddenly ended up he ended up third from essentially to some aspects some will say out of nowhere but it show you that Pansky responds nicely at least for Pagano that is yeah because uh both power and and uh, McLaughlin had problems there power power ended up way back in the in the in the order after he's yeah, his day was... started his day was honestly quote unquote over before he even started when he had to go to pit road during warm-ups well, he, was in the, he was in the back row anyway, but yeah, he yeah. never was there there. No, no, he never was. He never was. And just like Rossi, when he got rele- relegated to the back, you, you know, we didn't hear from him the rest of the day. You know, yeah, so. I take back the quote unquote over for you start because we said that about Montoya back in 15 and he looked what he did. He won it. He won Power it. Power yeah. was not the case, unfortunately, in his end. No, his his spin was so late. He didn't have enough time to recover from that. And he yeah. had power had worked his way up to, I believe, 12th or 13th from the back. Uh, but but after his his issue on pit road. Yeah, it was it was game game over from there. So now I the funny thing is right now, I have no idea how much time we left in the show because my my the timer I set didn't work. So I'm just going 20 by, minutes uh, of prox a prox. That's what I said. We got about 20 minutes left. It's just guessing at what time we started. Uh, but I do want yeah, to because we because we didn't get to um, meet last week and have a show. I did, Richard, want to talk about Monaco Grand Prix, which was last week, where we yeah. saw we saw some uncharacteristic uh, miscues from Mercedes, uh, and they ended up having a pretty miserable day all around. While Max Verstappen was the the benefactor there, who was able to. Uh, pick up the pieces then the other guy with the with the um just horrible luck was uh charles leclerc so if you'd like to talk about monaco for a little bit we'll we'll talk about that because i i kind of enjoyed watching monaco this year i thought it was a pretty pretty good run so we're gonna remember it um yeah no, it, was, <laughs> it, was, uh, it was good no no, no it, it was a good race i mean monaco is this sort of unique outlier in in terms of, of what people will, will expect to see from a, a race you know pretty much all on qualifying and you you're going to move one or two positions throughout the weekend or throughout the race sorry but um yeah the, the big talking point really throughout practice on the thursday um which again is a unique feature of monaco they, they practice thursday not friday um and then saturday as well was the resurgence of ferrari you know both carlos Sainz and leclerc were, were very very competitive and Leclerc even took the pole, but also the struggles from Mercedes as well. Um, so we, we go through, we, we go into qualifying there, and um, Leclerc ends up getting pole on his first run of the day, and then on his last run, um, 
you know, hits the, the, the exit of swimming pool on the right-hand side, which, as we've seen before so many times, bounces across the curbs and into the wall on the uh, the exit of that chicane and brings out the red flag and, and stops everybody's lap for the for the guys behind him. And Verstappen was on a pretty quick lap there. Um, Ferrari said they they checked the car out, didn't need a new gearbox, everything was good. And then on his lap to the grid on the Sunday morning, um, yeah, no, 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 no go. Um, there was a drive shaft issue on the left hand side of the car, which was interesting considering. The impact was to the right, and I don't know if there's been any more said about it, but the initial feedback was like, oh, you know, that failure was nothing to do with the accident, blah, blah, blah. I, I, I struggle to believe that. I think they just missed something, unfortunately. Um, so, yeah, great shame for Leclerc. I mean, if they'd found it, they would have had to replace it, which would have been a penalty anyway. Um, so, yeah, not not great. But, um, yeah, it just something just didn't click for Mercedes this weekend. Um you know, in the race, Bottas had the issue where his uh, front right um, nut basically machined itself to the hub. Yeah, um, I heard it took them two days to get it off. Well, probably those two days were because a day and a half of it was being shipped back to the UK. Yeah, so. yeah, but I mean, <laughs> two days later, they still couldn't get it off. So. Yeah. Um, so, you know, see some... We talked about this a little bit in our sort of uh, offline chat group we have going on. You know, Toto was sitting around and bl- partly blaming Bottas for not, you know, for, for not being perfectly lined up during the pit stop. It's like, no, no, come on, dude. That's Toto has this weird way of managing drivers at times. He comes out and makes some very, very strange comments. He's made comments about Bottas on that level. He's made comments about Russell on that level and, and some of those things. It's just... Something's a little. I, I don't know. Something's a bit a bit strange there with how he maybe tries to stoke Hamilton's ego a little bit. But uh, I don't know. Anyway, um, right. it, it, just, it's, it just seems to me when when the the horrible pit stop problems happen, it's always Bottas and never Lewis. Well, you know, and, I mean, well, if you yeah. look at the race last year, the one that um, the uh, the racing point one. Oh, um, you remember that he had a horrible, horrible pit stop there. And again, that was, secure, yeah. yeah. That's George Russell, you know. Well, Russell and um, Bottas both. Yeah. No, no, no. Bottas, then, the Bottas had an issue on the track and then Russell had the horrible pit stop. Yeah. And, and then, and then Toto turns around and says that Russell has to keep, cut out the mistakes. It's like, dude. Yeah. Yeah. You screwed him. You know, so that's uh, anyway, whatever, whatever. Yeah, it, it is strange how I find it interesting how Toto is some of his man management at times, but um, you know, on the whole, I think he knows what he's doing, doesn't he? Um, but yeah, with Hamilton, it just didn't work. There was something that just didn't click. You know, they tried pitting him early to see if he get some clean track and 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 you know, put some lap times down, but he ended up being behind Vettel and Gasly and, and coming in, I think it was sixth or seventh he finished, um, which it. it in reality, because Leclerc retired and didn't start the race, and Bottas, who had qualified ahead of him, didn't finish, he, he actually probably dropped, in real terms, two places um, on the race weekend. Now, again, Monaco's an outlier there. It's difficult to pass. It's difficult to overtake. Could they, you know, could he have maybe um, regained some of those positions if it had been a different track? Uh, potentially. Um, I'm certainly not riding him off. For the championship, that's for sure. But uh, you know, the, they're going to want to have a good, good weekend in Baku coming up. Uh, you know, Bottas has typically been strong in Baku in the past, so it'll be interesting to see how um, you know if, if Bottas can sort of 
get the upper hand. And, you know, everybody's been saying that for Red Bull to challenge Mercedes and Verstappen to challenge Hamilton, you know, Red Bull need Perez to be up there and causing problems. And on the flip side, Hamilton doesn't need Bottas up there causing him problems. And obviously he didn't score points in Monaco, but if Bottas had, you know, again, that would have been to detriment of, of Hamilton. And, um, you know, as I say, Baku is a track where, where Bottas is reasonably strong at times. So it'd be interesting to see how that dynamic plays out over the weekend. Yeah, ba- but, Baku uh, has a lot of similarities to Monaco. Well, you know, when, when you talk about it's Monaco and half of it's Monza, it's, it's a very strange yeah, yeah. track. And, yeah, it's got a really, really tight section and a real fast section. Yeah, it goes around a castle in places where there's a pretty much line of stern for for three or four corners there. But And then they have this long sweeping straight from there's like a mile and a half long almost or a mile long or whatever it may be. Um, and then they've got for, you know, the first sector of the track is very much like Russia, where you've got a lot of left, you know, almost like that old Phoenix race they had in the parking lot, which is, you know, 90 degree bends. But in all fairness to Baku, it's a little bit more picturesque than a parking lot in Phoenix. Well, OK, OK. <laughs> Baku was fake picturesque. I don't, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if you ever noticed the uh, you ever see some of the photos where they hang the uh, uh, the uh, on the buildings along the thing that yes. they, they, they hang these. It's almost like a drape, I guess. With with a yes with you know a, a print of nicer looking buildings than what's actually behind that <laughs> to, to make it look yeah. pre- to make it look pretty on TV but but the castle I mean, is real but the castle is real castle, yeah which Phoenix yeah. doesn't have many castles last time I checked no no no, no, no. no neither neither, no, neither, neither did the downtown Detroit circuit either that's true <laughs> but no it'd be you know it'd be a good 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 race and you know for the first time in his career Verstappen leads the championship. Um, so it's, you know, he's the, the hunters become the hunted sort of thing. Um, and it'll be interesting to see how they manage that. You know, obviously Red Bull had that four year phase where, you know, the, the, they were untouchable in many, many ways. Um, and it'll be interesting to see if they can regain that, you know, and, and push on with, with Verstappen there. Um, you know, Perez, hopefully you want to see again, him up there in the top four, you know, as as the rear gunner for for Stafford in some ways, creating problems for the Mercedes team, you know, on the strategy. And again, it showed it at Monaco because Monaco is one of those circuits that the laps are relatively short, and the field is relatively compressed in terms of lap time. So that was really hampered Mercedes with um, Hamilton to try and get him to move up through the pack because there was never any clear, you know, there wasn't that window that he could fall back into as they did in Spain. Uh, the previous race and to, to win that race. So, you know, you, we almost got a glimpse of what Mercedes struggles would be like if Perez was in play when they were struggling at Monaco because there wasn't that window of opportunity. So it'll be interesting to see how Mercedes bounce back. You know, by now, you know, don't doubt it. They will bounce back. Um, I, I'd be, I'd love to see Ferrari be competitive again in, in Baku as they were at Monaco. I don't think they will be. That Monaco result was a little bit of a, um, you know, a freak occurrence, I think. Um, but but who knows? You know, if they can start creating a bit of a foil and creating issues for the cars around them, then um, then that's brilliant. And you know, uh, Leclerc has been phenomenal in qualifying throughout the season. You know, putting that Ferrari in fourth place a couple of times, where it it genuinely doesn't deserve to be, for one of a better word. So, um, you know, there's a potential that you can. Um, you know, continue that Saturday form at least and just create some problems for the guys around him. 
and maybe have a, like a, a three-way fight for win race wins will be will be fantastic and, and just really what the sport needs as it's yeah it would, yeah it'd be nice it'd be nice to see Ferrari get back there in the mix and have yeah you know instead of a two-team show uh, a three-team yeah. show and then then you've got guys like you know Alpine is improving and um mm-hmm. and McLaren is forever improving McLaren I think McLaren's gonna be better than Ferrari before you know it. I say they could win a race. I, I, I think they like, could win a race. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and in fact, my bold pick is that I think Norris will get it done. Right. So it'd let's be, uh, it'd be certainly be deserved, wouldn't it? Certainly yeah. deserved. Yeah. So let's go ahead and pick a winner for Baku. Richard Hoot, you like Verstappen? That, that would go Bottas. You're going to go Bottas. Bottas. Louise? Yeah. I kind of implied it is could be. I'm going with Norris, but. But. I think realistically, I think Baku has favored Checo. I think this is going to be Checo's true performance at Red Bull. All right, so you guys left me uh, Hamilton. Yeah, because uh, yeah, I mean he. What's he, he ever done? Ah, uh, yeah, he doesn't win that often. So I'll take Hamilton. <laughs> <laughs> well, we just got would a few. Ninety nine, would it? Ninety eight, perhaps. Yeah, <laughs> I thought no, I was Mika. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so uh, we've got just a few minutes left. So, uh, Louise, we did have a NASCAR race, the Coca-Cola 600, which uh, I don't it know. It happened. The, the, it happened. I, I, honestly, the, the whatever package they've got they're running there at Charlotte is not producing a great show. The PJ1 uh, has done no wonders. Yeah, but it's uh, certainly produced a good day for young Kyle Larson, who was uh, – Still mending fences, but, uh, you know, dominant win for him. He's never won a race uh, more than 400 miles. So he just got decided to skip to 500 mile and go ahead and win the 600. Um, <laughs> a mile, a mile and a half track, too. Remember how he's come short of winning mile and a half tracks. Both of us went so far as our mile and a half. So he's yeah, finally yeah. handling those. Finally, yeah. Just like, um, so, but we're off to uh, Sonoma. Which, yep, is, which uh, is one of one of my favorite. I always love the NASCAR mm-hmm. on on road courses, and I'm I'm among those few that just am so pleased we're going to get to see seven road courses this year. I'm just uh, happy yep. they're running out of the West Coast again. Yeah, so Luis, yeah. you'll be you'll be at the track this weekend. So yeah. who, who do you who do you like for Sonoma? Then I know we talked about a little. Well, you, you, trends, you already yeah you already have your trend. The trends say when Larson's on pole, Truex. Is going to win, except for that one year when the trend started for Kyle leading the field of the Green Harvick won. But I feel like this is going to be Truex's day again. Sonoma's just because Larson wins Paul Sonoma, Truex going to win the race. I don't see that trend ending. Even if Hendrick had been strong, they won the last few races as well. I just feel like Truex and Gibbs are going to get back to their winning ways again and stop Hendrick's recent dominance. Because at the 600, it could have been another one, two, three, four finish. Kyle Busch decided to crash that party. And I think you keep an eye on Kyle as well. But Truex, indeed. Three in a row. Three in a row. All right. So, Richard, who do you like for Sonoma? What's Chase Elliott like on road courses? Is he any good? I don't know. He's won a couple of them, I think. Yeah, let's go for him, seeing as there's nobody else. Seen as nobody else. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's hard to pick against Chase Elliott or or Truex, who's also dynamite on road courses. So 
Uh, but you've left me, I, you know, I'll say Kyle Bush. Kyle Bush, who's pretty good anywhere. Yeah. We've gone out of the box with these picks, aren't we? We're- yeah, I know. We're, we're, all, we're, all, we're all playing it a little safe. Playing a little safe. Yeah, well, I mean. Oh, no, come I, on. I picked Paris to win for Baku. That's not no, playing yeah, safe. Yeah, fair enough, yeah. I could have gone with Norris, but. I was going to say, yeah. Like, you, either way, yeah. Either way, you're, um, you know, if, if, if you were a betting man, that'd be a, that'd be a, a nice payoff. So, but, uh, yeah. It'd I be think- a more reasonable payoff than picking Josh Billicky at Vegas. True. True, yeah. Yeah. All right, so uh, I think we've got enough minutes for just a parting thought from everybody as we, you know, come away from uh, the month of May, enter the month of June, uh, where we get uh, pretty much uh, for the Indy cards is going to be a bit of a grind. We've got several races in June and July, including some double headers coming up. Still don't know, still don't know the status of where we're going to see another double header because the the race in Toronto was dropped. Uh, so and the series, like the series, the series indicated that they would add a double header rather than add another race, which makes sense because to, to get something put together and promoted, um, on, on short notice is, uh, a lot harder than just adding a second Saturday race to, a, a an existing date. So, but you gotta, you think of thing like mid Ohio, because you've got the same race promoters there, green Savory, who that would hopefully help them out. But, uh, uh, you know, I, I believe they're, you know, then the other one is maybe Road America. So, but uh, but you, they could realistically throw a doubleheader at Gateway, you know. But uh, I haven't heard anything out of this series. I imagine with the 500 behind them, there'll be an, an announcement coming up soon to fill that, uh, fill that missing race in the schedule. But right now, they're treating it as a 16-round schedule. That's the thing at the moment. The way social is promoting it right now, they're treating it as a 16 round or to attend races. I'm not sure if if we're judging it on that, it doesn't sound like they're going to add a race. They're probably yeah. It sounds yeah. It sounds like maybe they've whatever they wanted to do fell through. You know, because both both Mid Ohio and Road America are pretty packed with uh, support races, so it mm-hmm. could be that they just couldn't squeeze it into the to the weekend. So, but we'll, 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 we'll see. There'll either be an announcement that something's a, de- a double header or there won't be. So Richard, you got a parting thought before we get off the air? Um, no, I think we're, it's a while since we're doing one of these, isn't it? Um, I, mean, I just want to reiterate this you know, statement, um, the, the sort of the concept that maybe, uh, you know, the 500 is like a victim of its own, or IndyCar is a victim of its own success with the 500 there. Um, but, um, yeah, no, I, we never really had a chance to talk about Austin in the rain, did we, with the cup cars? Um, and that was an interesting uh, that, interesting venture. That, well, um, that was an interesting venture, yeah. And all your conspiracy theorists say that they waited till Chase was leading to throw the... Uh, to throw the red flag, but uh, good race, though. I quite enjoyed it. I thought that was pretty, pretty good. It was, yeah, it was a little messy. It was a little messy. It was like watching but, Bambi uh, yeah. on ice, wasn't it? We literally it was, saw um... Driven in real life. <laughs> <laughs> Louise, except, that's that's funny. Except we didn't see. Well, Truex nearly went airborne, airborne like Max Pappas, but that fortunately that didn't happen. Very fortunate. Yeah, there, there was some. That was a scary looking wreck. 
Yeah, yeah, that yeah. It was for sure. Yeah, so you know the weather doesn't always cooperate, but I believe that was the first points-paying cup race ran with a significant amount of rain. Yeah, that is correct. Also, I, I, I know X, Xfinity's had a couple of good rain races. So have the trucks, but I think the Cup Series have been lucky with uh, the rain on the road courses. So this is one of the first times we've seen uh, really seen that in action. Yeah, and not only that, at first red flagged rain short and cup road course race since Watkins Glen in 92 when Kyle Petty won it. Kyle Petty is a blast from the past. Yeah. Kyle, Kyle Petty won a race at Watkins Glen. Wow. Yep. And let's not forget multiple times at Rockingham. Yeah. And I know he was pretty good at Rockingham. His old, uh, is it was a Mountain Dew car he used to drive, right? Mountain Dew. Don't you mean Mellow Yellow? Mellow, Mellow Yellow. Yeah. Yeah. He drove the uh, Days of Thundermobile. Yeah, it was just Coke's version of Mountain Dew, Mellow Yellow. Yeah, yeah, it's uh, stuff I don't drink. So, uh, you know, I was, uh, I, I did enjoy seeing Brad Keselowski in the Keystone car because that is something I do drink. <laughs> that's when I'm, that's my, my my choice of beer when I'm out of money, get, get some Keystone. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm letting too much on. So anyway, um, I, I guess we are out of time, I think. My timer yeah. went off. I don't know. No one, uh, no one needs to know my closing thought. <laughs> go ahead, Louise. Oh, I was just, I was just messing with y'all. But closing thought, I was gonna say when Connor took that race lead, TB didn't do it justice. It did not. It just the thing being there at Indianapolis, everything about it in general just hits different. If I want to get a get across to writing how I felt about it in my column, not sure when that will be out because of course that will be a Sonoma. It just totally hits different. Just the fact that Elio was able to get his fourth win in that fashion. The crowd loved, I, people said the crowd loved Elio. And back in my Marziki, they do, but they were right. They really, really love Elio at Indianapolis. So it was totally a popular win. Probably one of the more significant moments in motorsports in the last 20 years. Very memorable race, very historic race, yeah. So, and it's going to be quite a long time until we see another four-time winner. I, I mean, if 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 you look at the uh, crop of guys you have now, the two guys with two wins are both in their forties. They certainly could win two more. Both Sato and uh, Montoya are capable drivers. Elio could certainly win a fifth. You know, he's obviously uh, the guy in the last seven months has won an IMSA championship the 24 hours of Daytona and the Indy 500. So this guy ain't done, but uh, yeah, until we see another four timer, it could be, it could be another 20 or 30 years. So, uh, you know, with that being said, you've got some really fantastic 20 uh, something year olds who, if they have careers as long as guys like Elio and Tony Kanaan and um, Ryan Hunter Ray will still be around in another 20 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly true. All right. So, well, with that being said, I guess we are out of time. So uh, I want to thank the Hoobazoo Radio Network. I want to thank iHeartRadio, Spreaker, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. And I want to thank you, Louise. I want to thank you, Richard. I want to thank you folks that listen to us every week. And again, I apologize about us missing last week, but uh, we are back. We'll be back through. We'll be back with you once a week through the rest of the summer as the uh, the race for the championships begin to really heat up in all three series. So, Till next week. Good night.
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. 